Time Magazine had an article in 2016 describing the increasing opposition of secularism in America. And uh, they listed different people. Uh, There's a, a fire chief who was fired uh, for writing a self-published book defending the moral views of Christianity. Uh, there was a, a Marine Corps uh, individual who, who was disciplined for putting a Bible verse above her desk. Uh, and, and, you know, many such things around the world since the turn of the century, every year it's estimated 100,000 Christians are put to death for naming the name of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. We serve a Savior who is worthy of it all. And, uh, and, but we need to be aware of the opposition that is there. We need to be ready for it and know how to respond to it. Uh, this scripture, Jesus is going to be facing the greatest opposition of his earthly life, the greatest persecution of his earthly life. And he faces it in faith and with spiritual weapons and ultimately overcomes. We know that three days after Jesus died, he walked out of the tomb. Death couldn't keep him down. Jesus overcame. And you and I can overcome because we have the very power of the resurrection living within us. And God has given us spiritual weapons to use uh, to face the opposition, that spiritual opposition that we face in God's strength and power. And that's what we need to do. We need to use those spiritual weapons. We need to view the opposition that comes against us as Christians from a Christian spiritual perspective and face it with those spiritual weapons. So, Uh, The title of my message is Facing Opposition Well. And look with me at verse 1. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden. And he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees And came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. You could also translate that, I am. The he is not in the original. Uh, So, I am, Jesus said. Well, Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them... I am, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said, I told you that I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. 
Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest. So he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other, the, the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples, are, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire and it, because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing there with them warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews congregate, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again. Immediately, a rooster crowed. So facing opposition well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to pray regularly. We need to pray regularly. Now, verse 2 says, uh, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. What was he talking about? The Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the other Gospels share in detail what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He prayed. He agonized. He sweat great sweat drops of blood. Uh, he poured out his heart to the Father and there prepared his heart for what was yet to come. I love this, though, that John mentions this in passing. And he says he often met there. You see, it wasn't uh, something that was unique to Jesus' experience to go and to spend time in prayer with his disciples. Now, we know from the Gospels that Jesus often withdrew by himself to pray. But here Jesus is withdrawing with his disciples to pray. And both of those things are important if you're going to face opposition well. You need to be praying regularly. One scripture says men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. When we experience opposition... It is a spiritual opposition that comes against the work we do for Christ. And we face that with spiritual weapons. And one of the most powerful weapons we have as Christians is the weapon of prayer. And we pray to prepare us for the battle, 
to get our hearts in the right place, to get us in a position of faith in God. But we also pray about the details of the opposition that's coming. Jesus, we know, prayed for Peter. He told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Jesus knew there was a battle. Jesus knew Peter was vulnerable. He knew Satan's designs. And he came against Satan in the power of prayer, and he interceded for his disciples. And Jesus faced his opposition well. Jesus had perfect peace as he went through the trials, as he went through the scourging and the crucifixion, the mocking, the spitting, all of the different things Jesus went through. He faced it perfectly. He had prepared his heart, and he had prepared spiritually in prayer, and he was ready for the battle. Listen, I want to tell you, the battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. I want to tell you, I've been reading in my quiet time about Moses going to Pharaoh. Talk about a strong-willed individual. Pharaoh was a strong-willed individual. He was hard-hearted. He, he wouldn't let, Listen, if you had frogs all over your house and you had gnats all over your house and you had flies all over your house, wouldn't you, I mean, wouldn't that get your attention? It didn't get his attention. He continued to harden his heart over and over and over again. Moses might have thought, this is impossible. This man won't respond to anything. Nothing I do will ever work. But God had told Moses to go, and ultimately God delivered the children of Israel. I want to tell you something. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. There is no individuals whose heart God cannot change. There is no situation too dark that God doesn't have an answer. There is no battle too great that God cannot come against it. Jehoshaphat had several opposing armies that came against him, and he he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, what am I going to do? And God said, you put the singers out in front. I always thought that was an amusing strategy. Uh, Put the singers out in the front. Uh, But God, as they began to worship, God threw the enemy into confusion, and they killed each other. I want to tell you, we serve an awesome God. And there is no opposition that can ultimately stand against his power. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Is there something you are struggling with with your kids? Is there there something uh, perhaps at your workplace that you're facing? God is able. Take it to him in prayer. Especially in spiritual matters when you're facing spiritual opposition. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You remember Peter? He was in prison, and uh, they killed James, and Peter was next. He was scheduled for execution, and uh, they had multiple guards chained, a guard chained to each of his limbs. <laughs> Talk about overkill. Uh, you know, uh, they've got two guards. Uh, they've got a guard outside his door and, and, and so forth. But the people of God are praying. And... God sends his angel. And the angel comes in. Peter's in a good deep sleep. 
Listen, when you're trusting God, you can sleep deeply even when you're scheduled for execution. Amen? The Bible says he had to strike him to get him awake. Wake up. And as he stood up, the chains just fell off. <laughs> and so he thinks, well, I'm, I'm having a vision here. And he's, he's walking out. He's following this angel. Finally, he's standing out in the street outside the prison. And the angel disappears. And he realizes, I don't know if he pinched himself. I kind of imagine him doing that. Uh, this was the Lord. And he goes to the place where they're having the prayer meeting. And Rhoda goes to answer the door, and she forgets to let him in. She goes back, well, Peter's out there. Well, did you let him in? No. You know, and so uh, the power of prayer. Listen, I want to tell you something. We serve an awesome God. Pray regularly if you want to face opposition well. So face opposition well, how do you do it? You need to pray regularly. Secondly, you need to trust completely. Look at verse 6. When Jesus told them, I am he, now yes, it makes better English to translate it, I am he. And that is a valid translation. Often it is intended to be translated that way. But John has emphasized the divine name, Yahweh, the great I am, throughout the book of John. So it's no accident that what he says here in the original is, I am. So, so great was the power that Jesus exerted simply in mentioning his name that they stepped back and fell to the ground. You say, well, explain that, preacher. I don't know that I can, okay? <laughs> but it happened. The whole company, all the soldiers, these Roman soldiers, they're decked out with weapons. They're ready to, to take care of any problem. They're on their backs. Some have said but this is possibly to get them to listen to him about letting the disciples go. and that, Perhaps that's the case. But, but Jesus exercises his authority. I want to tell you something. Nobody forced Jesus to the cross. Jesus was utterly sovereign. With his mere word, his enemies would have been vanquished. He told his he told his disciples elsewhere, don't you think I could call ten legions of angels? Now, I, I don't know what ten legions of angels can do, but I know one angel in the Old Testament killed 180,000 Assyrian troops in one night. So ten legions of, of angels, I don't want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> Listen, nobody forced Jesus to the cross. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. We need to trust Jesus completely in the midst of opposition. You say, well, what if I suffer? Well, you suffer, and the Lord Jesus will reward you. Well, what if I'm killed? Then you're killed, but you'll receive a crown. Did you know there's a special crown for the martyrs? Well, what if I face distress? Jesus will sustain you. Trust him. Now, in many places in Scripture, God delivers his people, right? 
Paul and Silas delivered in the jail, right? Doors come open. But in some cases, God doesn't deliver. But make no mistake, you and I are in the hands of a sovereign Savior. Nothing can happen to you and nothing can happen to me outside the permission of Jesus Christ. He says, no one can pluck them out of my hands. Did you know that's a secure place to be? In the hands of Jesus who can speak to the winds and the waves and still them. We are his sheep and he is our shepherd. Saul of Tarsus was coming against the church. Jesus met him on the Damascus Road. He said, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You're, you're fighting a losing battle. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus said, I'm taking it personally. You're persecuting my church. You're persecuting me. You better consider what you're doing. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's kind of the gist of it. And, of course, Saul of Tarsus repented, and God brought uh, peace to the church. But I'm going to tell you something. Our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is sovereign. So trust him. Trust him completely. Trust him in the opposition that you face. Some may criticize you. We, we talked about that in Sunday school today. Some may criticize you. Some may accuse you. Some may make up things about you that are not true. But you know what Jesus said? Rejoice when men revile you and persecute you. And say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. You see, we can trust him. Elijah had had made some prophecies and the king uh, Amaziah was angry with him and he sent 50 troops to take Elijah into custody. Elijah's sitting there. I wish I could have been there for this. Talk about awesome. Elijah's sitting on his roof and these 50 troops come and they say, Elijah, we've come and, uh, you know, you, you need to come with us. And he says, he says, if I'm a prophet of God, may fire come from heaven and destroy you. And whoosh, 50 crispy critters. <laughs> and uh, the second 50, the king sends another 50. He's angry. The king sends another 50. Again, the same thing happens. I say, you've got to come with us. He says, if I'm a prophet of God, may fire come from heaven and destroy you. Whoosh! There's not a one of them left. Finally, the king sends the third 50. Now, this guy is scared to death. He's heard about these other two 50. He says, I want to, I, you know, I like barbecues, but I don't want to be the barbecue. And he's, he's, uh, he, say, he comes, he falls on his knees, and he says, please spare my life, Elijah. And the Lord said to Elijah, it's okay for you to go with him. Go ahead. And so Elijah goes with the man to the king, pronounces his message of judgment to the king, and leaves in peace. God can protect his own. Jesus used the phrase a number of times in his earthly ministry, my hour has not yet come. You see, one time they tried to throw him off a cliff. And he just walked through the middle of them. Some supernatural 
occurrence there. Uh, many times they had plotted to take his life, and many times they had failed. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. They couldn't do anything to Jesus until it was God's time. But when God's time came, Jesus was ready. We need to trust God completely. He is sovereign over our lives. He is sovereign over this nation. Listen, I know there's bad news on TV. But I'm going to tell you, the Lord Jesus still sits on the throne. He still provides for his own. Trust him in the midst of opposition. He is able. When things are the darkest they can be, Jesus Christ is able. So facing opposition, well, how do you do it? Well, you pray regularly. Secondly, you trust completely. Thirdly, you obey wholeheartedly. I love Simon Peter's response. His, uh, they come to arrest Jesus. Simon Peter's not going to have any of it. He, he takes out his sword. And he lops off the ear of one of the servants of the, of the priest. You're not going to mess with my Savior. You're going to have to come through me first. You have to respect the courage there. Uh, perhaps there's some fear too. Jesus said, put your sword away. And then he, re- he says this. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? By the way, this is very emphatic in the original language. Very, very strong. To put it in East Tennessee ver- uh, vernacular, there ain't no way. I'm not going to drink the cup the Father has given me. You see, Jesus was not just obeying God. He was obeying God wholeheartedly. He said, Peter, we don't need your sword. This is God's plan. This is what God wants me to do. And I'm going to do it. I will do it. He was obeying God wholeheartedly. The cup, by the way, the cup uh, was a symbol of the wrath of God in the Old Testament. So that makes it even more powerful that Jesus not just faces the opposition willingly, but Jesus faces the wrath of God for your sin and mine willingly. He says, I'm not going to be deterred. I'm not going to be dissuaded. I will. Drink the cup the Father has given me. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, it was the cup the Father had given him. We don't suffer for suffering's sake. We don't go looking for suffering or looking for persecution. Okay? Um, there may be times where we are called to suffer persecution for Christ's sake in God's will. And in those times, we need to face it boldly. But Paul Though he suffered sometimes willingly, at other times he talked about, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. What are you doing here? You're going to beat a Roman citizen without a trial? So Paul used the means that he had to defend himself at times. But then at other times he was called to suffer for the sake of Christ. And so uh, the key is that our hearts are willing to follow the Lord Jesus Despite the cost. Um, 
Joshua and Caleb are two of my favorite characters of the Old Testament. Uh, they were getting ready to go in the promised land, and, and uh, they, they wholeheartedly, and, and it says this about Caleb uh, several times in the Scriptures, that he obeyed God wholeheartedly. And because of that, God used him. Talk about overcoming opposition. Here you got this 80-some-odd-year-old man going into the promised land. He says, give me this mountain. Nothing's going to stand in my way. And he's taking down the giants. Because he was wholeheartedly obeying God. When you're wholeheartedly obeying God in the midst of opposition, listen, God's going to step up to help you and sustain you and work through you. Whether, whether you're headed for persecution or whether you're headed for something else, the Lord will be with you. Jesus approached the opposition he was facing with wholehearted obedience, and he would not be deterred from God's will. So facing opposition well, we need to pray regularly. We need to trust completely. We need to obey wholeheartedly, and we need to speak openly. The high priest, Annas, begins to question Jesus in verse 19 and 20. In verse 20, Jesus answers, he says, I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews congregate and haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. What's Jesus saying? Listen, this is no secret. I'm not going about in some dark cave and corner somewhere talking about these things. I have been speaking openly about my mission. I've been speaking openly about the truth and about the kingdom. Jesus spoke courageously. You see, you and I are called to speak openly. Now, I understand there may be times where, um, you know, in many parts of the world, they have an underground church because of the persecution of the government. They do things in secret so that the church can thrive and move forward without, uh, without government interference. But when the time comes where God has put it upon your heart to speak, you better speak and speak openly. In Scripture, you find that Jesus spoke openly. The apostles spoke openly, except for Peter's denials here. By the way, Peter's responses are being contrasted with Jesus' response in this Scripture today. He goes back and forth between Jesus and Peter. We know from the other Gospels that Peter was asleep when he was supposed to be praying. Peter's failing. Jesus is facing it with boldness and openness and courage because he's been with the Lord. So we are called to speak openly. Uh, the apostles did. The apostle Paul did. Uh, and, and throughout history, Christians have paid the price for speaking for Jesus Christ. Some have gone to prison. Some have been put to death. Some have been sold into slavery. 
is, be, is happening today in various parts of the world simply because they speak openly about Jesus Christ. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. People in our government, people in this culture may try to intimidate us to silence. We need to speak openly. We need to let people know where we stand and what the truth is because we hold the truth that sets people free. And so I'm going to tell you something. There's not a lot of hope in this dark world, but there is hope in Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings peace to the soul. Jesus is the one who brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus is the one who brings life and life abundantly. We talked about uh, a man that was saved a few years ago here. And he, he told me, he said, he said that since I've been saved, he said, it seems like the grass is greener. He says, the colors are more vibrant. He said, I notice nature more. And he says, it's like I enjoy every facet of life more than I used to. Why? Because Jesus was in his life. I want to tell you something. Jesus makes a profound difference. Jesus is the hope of this world. Without him, this life is, is empty. With him, there is fullness of joy. Uh, how desperately we need to speak about Jesus. Let people know where you stand. Follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit as you speak. And there may be times where you need to be silent. Sometimes the prophets were silent. Sometimes they spoke. But generally, our characteristic should be that we speak openly. How else will anyone hear about the message that we have? that sets people free. So facing opposition well. Pray regularly. Trust completely. Obey wholeheartedly. Speak openly. Don't be intimidated. Continue to speak for Jesus. And you will face opposition well. Isn't it amazing that a prophet who was more than a prophet, but this is how the world viewed him, a prophet who was rejected by his leadership in his country, who was, was largely obscure, uh, has made such a profound difference. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you something. There is power. Now, of course, Jesus has power. But there is power in the message that we have. As we speak, the kingdom of God will move forward. God sent Moses to Pharaoh. You speak. You tell him what I told you to say. Time and time again, Pharaoh was hard-hearted. But ultimately, God's purpose worked out in his life. Uh, and, and God accomplished the things he was desiring to accomplish. Listen. As you speak for Christ and you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you may not see what God does down the road, but you will have a part in it. And you know what the Bible tells us? My word will not return void. It will accomplish the purposes for which I've sent it. So our purpose is to speak. The results are up to God. We're to speak and to speak openly. And as we do, no matter what the opposition is, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? 2,000 years, there have been tyrants who've tried to burn Bibles and kill all the Christians. And uh, over and over again, they've tried to stamp it out. 
but the kingdom of God keeps going, keeps advancing. It's an amazing thing. You would almost think there's something supernatural about it. Listen, I want to tell you something. We serve an amazing God. When opposition comes, don't be cowed by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Be bold. Come before God. If you struggle with boldness, come before God as the early church did and say, Lord, grant it to your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You know what God did when they prayed that prayer? He shook the church where they were. Wouldn't that be interesting if you were shook? We're standing here, we're praying, and all of a sudden, boom. The power of God has come and shaken this place. Oh, Lord, may it be. (laughs) This is what we're called to do. Let's follow our Savior's great example, and let's face opposition well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us face opposition well. Help us continue to pray and to continue to trust you and to obey you wholeheartedly and to speak openly, Lord. Let us not be cowed. Let us not be deterred. Let us not be ashamed. But, Lord, let us stand up and speak up boldly for you in Jesus' name. And, Father, for those who are here today that don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day where they would turn from their sin in their own way to follow Jesus. They would receive him into their lives as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the leader of their lives, and that they would be changed. And we pray.